this writing by Dogen Zenji connects us to the enlightenment of Shakyamuni Buddha. So this week is the, always the celebration. In fact, yesterday is often the day of celebrating Buddha's awakening, December 8th. December 7th and 8th, but every day is the day of Buddha's awakening. But this week is a very special week. And what this writing by Dogen does is try to bring to us the same teaching of the Buddha about what real awakening is. And this real awakening, as it says in the last paragraph, um, is like a dragon peeking in the window. And he says, Dogen says, don't be suspicious of the true dragon, which is a great word we were talking about yesterday because he doesn't say, don't be afraid of the dragon or don't push the dragon away. He says, suspicion. Don't, su don't be suspicious of the true dragon. Don't be suspicious. It's not exactly as strong as doubt, but it's, it's this um, human quality that we all have. It's okay. It's part of being a human to be a little suspicious. We've learned to be suspicious. And someone said to, uh, in Doksan that they're wandering around like a baby in openness here. And that's a great image. So babies and toddlers don't yet have suspicion if they're, if they're very fortunate and they have nice parents. They don't have suspicion. They just go for it fully. And that's what not being suspicious is about. Go for it. The, um, the story, which we've told now, but I'll tell it again for you who are just arriving today, is about somebody who really liked practice. He really liked practice, and he had images of it, and scrolls of it, and statues of it, dragons. He really liked dragons. And he had images, he had libraries full of dragon stories, and polishing his dragon, and a real dragon decided that they would pay him a visit. So the real dragon came right over there through the bamboo and peeked through the window. And our friend fainted. But there's another way to think about this dragon, which is um, the last line. Your treasure store will open of itself, and you will use it at will. Constantly perform in such a manner, and you are assured of being a person such as they, such as Shakyamuni Buddha, such as Dogen Zenji, such as all of it, Nagarjuna, all the great practitioners who left us these little clues and stories and examples of how, how to meet the dragon. This story, though, this uh, last sentence refers to something else, though. Your treasure store will open of itself and you will use it at will. Refers to another sincere practitioner of our, in our way. That practitioner's name is Sudana, and Sudana was very sincere and really wanted to wake up, so he asked um, the Buddha, 
how, what should I do? I just want to keep searching and wake up. And he didn't ask the Buddha, he asked Mahakashapa, sorry, the Buddha would have said, just, you are fine the way you are. But he asked uh, another disciple of the Buddha, and the, that disciple sent him to a great teacher. And Sudhana brought his questions to that person, and they dialogued, and the dialogues are beautiful. You learn something from each of the stories. And then Sudhana said, thank you very much, and then went to the next teacher, 52 all together, all kinds, all kinds of teachers, everything, um, all, every category you can think of. It's two of the obvious ones are male teachers, female teachers, monk teachers, lay teachers, every kind, circus, circus performers. So all the wise people, and this is an ancient sutra, so he went because everybody had a way to relate to him and teach him. And finally, he got back to where he started out at the tower of Manjushri, and the treasure store opened of itself. And he burst into tears. It's a great sutra because he wasn't like this. He burst into tears of joy. So where was the dragon? <coughs> the dragon, I think... Um, it might be more comforting to think that the dragon is out there coming, but the dragon is already here. So the dragon, when you meet the dragon, it's already inside. So it's this powerful life force, beautiful and difficult to control. You can't control a dragon. It's already there. It's got scales and big eyes and it's already there. So the reference to the true dragon is like, it's already here. And, uh, but it doesn't mean that it's inside your, your human body. We have a tendency to think of of um, enlightenment and feelings and thoughts as in here, as belonging in here. We're very, I mean, I'll say me, I'm very accustomed to think, I've got this feeling, I've got this thought, I've got this insight, it's happening over here. Very accustomed to thinking that way. However, the way it really happens is like this. The thoughts and the feelings are like this, and the insight happens like this. So we have Sangha, which makes it even more rich and vital, but all these feelings and thoughts that I tend to think are in here, I'm just having this thought about dragons, for instance, it's between us, and we, we, we see it in each other. And so it's a new, or whatever, it's a practice way to think about our feelings and our thoughts and our insights. That's why we need, one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why Sangha is so, so important, because it helps us relax that boundary between what we think of as mine and what we eventually see is ours. And once in a sitting, in a, in a situation like this, 
we can relax and you walk into a room, you walk into any room, this room, people often say it in the urban center, they walk in and they feel a feeling that's already there. Feel that feeling, it's already there. Where is it? It's in, is it in that beautiful Avalokiteshvara statue that we have? Is it in the building materials? Have people left molecules behind? Where is it? Where is that feeling? You don't have, I don't have it when I walk in, and yet you walk in and it's, and you feel it. Where does this come from? So Dogen says, you know, it's beyond the discursive processes of mind. And it is. All of these things that we experience as the self relaxes, it's, it's, it's solidity, it relaxes and accepts going back and forth between being a small self and a big self. The more it relaxes, the more we can experience of this shared emotional territory. And the more we experience, the more responsible you realize you are. I mean that in a positive way. You are responsible. You walk into a room and you can change the whole room, the way you walk into a room. Dogen talks about this in one of his great writings called The um, Four Integrative Methods of Great People. And he talks about generosity, kind speech, integrative action, and identity action, which are all very interesting. But the one that, um, that comes to my mind right now is when he's talking about a generous person. He says, when a, gener- a person who gives walk into, walks into a room, people all look at that person. So you can feel it. And you, can't, you don't even know that you're feeling it, but you know you kind of feel it about that Something has changed in the atmosphere of the room. So a lot of our, our shared, our inherited practice from these great teachers, from Shakyamuni Buddha, is Shakyamuni Buddha's settling into his understanding on the night of enlightenment that everybody woke up together. Everybody's in this together. And it doesn't mean physically we're all in it together, but it means our minds are all in it together. And we all differ. There are as many minds as there are persons, he also says in this. So we differ in how we experience that or how we feel it. And there are different levels of comfort with that and different levels of suspicion. So suspicion of, why do I feel this way? I think it was a therapist who first said this in a way that made sense in a Western um, context, which is you walk, the therapist walked into a session and said, um, or felt really something, and I don't remember what, what it was, but something strong and negative, felt very afraid or very angry or something. But the therapist had not been feeling that when they walked into the, before they got into the room, and they walked into the room and they felt that fear or anger, and they knew it was the person's feeling in the room. So once you know this about our shared feelings, you don't need to take it so personally. You're feeling the feelings of the room, or you're feeling the feelings of your, your friend, or somebody else who's just walked by. 
Otherwise, we cannot contain our feelings. We shouldn't have to contain our feelings. They're just flowing through us. Like that. Did any of you notice the moon tonight? It's looked like that for three days. It's this huge benefit for us. It's, it's completely round for three days. I think it knows we're doing sashimi. So, did you notice me yet? <laughs> so, the Buddha, Shakyamuni Buddha, when he sat down 2,500 years ago plus, um, he couldn't contain it either. And so he couldn't teach for a while. He didn't know how to contain it. And then he started teaching. And sometimes, as we read in the scriptures, there are people who have a big awakening, and they can't contain it. So they don't teach. They go off and live as hermits, or they um, can't contain it. One famous Zen person ended up trying to teach Sazen to cats. So it's a bad sign. (laughs) But Shakyamuni Buddha was able to drop the boundaries of self and others and then out of compassion carry this to us. Out of compassion. And so all of the demonstrations of Shakyamuni Buddha's great... Um, gifts to us take the form of compassion. We need a lot of compassion in order to take this understanding. We need tons of compassion in order to see reality the way it really is. We need tons of compassion for ourselves. So this uh, understanding of the dragon is also about it's okay to be suspicious because it's a big thing that is being demonstrated for us or asked of you to drop attachment to a self. Not drop a self, but drop attachment and abiding only within the self. I've told a couple of you um, in the last couple of days about a conversation I had with um, a dear friend last week on our way to something and he talked about his mother and his uh, mother-in-law, both of whom are well over 95. So he has two strong women over 95 that he has to appease all the time. I thought, good for you. (laughs) But one of them, whom he loves and respects very much, uh, lives on her own, does all of her own financial decisions, um, takes care of herself, drives, Um, However, she has a limited number of facts that she uses to make decisions from. And my friend would like her to open up to a few more facts about the world in order to make decisions. But at this point, she's very happy with the facts that she has. And that's a big challenge for my friend. Because there are decisions that the that this beloved woman needs to make about her finances, for instance, and she needs more facts. And I, I share that with you because um, it's hard to stay open to new facts. And yet, that's really what Shakyamuni Buddha and Dogen Zinji are telling us. We have to not cling to the facts that we have to date. We need to 
let it flow through. And then when we get tired, we take a rest. When we have enough facts, we then take a rest. And we check all of this out with our friends, with our good Dharma friends. The good Dharma friends are what help us navigate this territory. There's one other line in here that I wanted to bring up tonight, which is the paragraph about the various enlightenment stories. In addition, the bringing about of enlightenment, enlightenment, awakening, by the opportunity provided by a banner, a finger, a needle, or a mallet, and the effecting of realization with the aid of a a hosu, a fist, a staff, or a shout, cannot be fully understood by discriminative thinking. Indeed, it cannot be fully known by the practicing or realizing of supernatural powers. It must be deportment beyond hearing and seeing. Is it not a principle that is prior to knowledge and perceptions? So this principle that's prior to knowledge and perceptions is what the meaning of Fukan Zazengi is. So Fukan Zazengi means the principle, the principles, the wide principles of Zazen. So Fu means wide, and Fukan sort of refers to big principles, Zazen, and gi rules. So we say it's hard to translate, obviously. The wide open principles of this thing called zazen, which is not meditation. We uh, talked about the fact that zazen is not meditation a couple of days ago, so I'm introducing that as a welcoming present to you guys who've just arrived. Zazen is not meditation. But we're doing meditation and we're doing zazen here during this session. Zazen is something we can do all the time because it's the boundless mind of Shakyamuni Buddha and the boundless mind of you. So zazen is to be present, sitting, standing, lying down or walking. I'm thinking of having a mandatory lying down period of zazen tomorrow. Who votes for that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Oh, I think I've got pretty much universal principles. All right. What word are you? What? Second period. It's important. There's a way to lie down that is um, meditative posture. So I will, I will teach it to you tomorrow during second period. Um, it's important that we know how to be um, uncomfortable. It's really important because, as I was talking about this wonderful woman, one way to seek comfort is to start to narrow the information that's coming in. It's just uncomfortable to get this information or these new facts. So, but then you get more uncomfortable with the ones you've already got. apparently. So it's important in our practice to understand that discomfort happens. It's part of what we are built to experience, discomfort. And Sashin 
allows us to get kind of close to an edge of physical and mental discomfort. Um, but it's not meant to take us over the edge all the time. So I really don't want that to happen. You get close to the edge, and then you um, practice compassion on yourself. It's the only way to learn how to practice compassion on others. Stay close to your own discomfort, then you understand what it means for other people. Oh, this is what it feels like. I don't want anyone to feel like this. I really want to stop people from having to feel this. But if we don't allow ourselves to understand our own discomfort, then it's harder to care about other people's. So in this session, let's get a little closer to our own um, discomfort and learn how to work with it a little bit. And then the treasure store will open and we will use it at will. So for For tonight, we'll stop now, and then tomorrow we'll have another Dharma talk, and we'll have more Oriyoki meals, which are a combination of delight and discomfort, but the food is good. Thank you, Tenzo. (laughs) So, oh yeah, the other thing I really want you to know, I think that Tanto asked me to say this, perhaps. You should all know that, no, Eno asked me to say this. You should all know that everybody here is feeling a lot of discomfort. Did you ask me to say that? If there's anybody here who's not feeling physical discomfort, I'm so happy for you. (laughs) Thank you very much.